for our second message today. We have a sermon from Mr. Steve Andrews. It is a continuation of the messages he started earlier. This is the Gospel of Jesus Christ, Mark Part 3. Okay, Mr. Andrews. I even get lost in the numbers I do. Sometimes I forget which part I'm on. Welcome all those that are here today. I thought we were going to have a lot smaller group. Wonderful to be here and, and on this Sabbath day, just before the Feast of Tabernacles. I, uh, I was thinking about it. I'm, next year I will be my 50th. And I know there's others in here that have had longer time at the Feast and others that have had shorter time. But it's, it's wonderful every year when it comes around to just think one day, we're going to be a part of the kingdom of God. And in that, we're going to have our part in doing whatever God the Father and Jesus Christ wants us to do. Um, I have some, uh, some things to, that, that I always think about every year before the feast, before I get into my message. Um, one, be safe. If you're traveling, please uh, be safe in your traveling. And even if you're in town, and you're just traveling back and forth to services here. Uh, and there's a lot of accidents and different things that are going on, especially during the week. Um, uh, there's a lot of traffic between here and there. So be safe. It, it, God wants us to come to, to his feast. He wants us to, to, to be there. He wants us to rejoice. Uh, I know that that's one of the things that will come up in the services, to rejoice and to have um, a good rejoice, rejoicing time at the feast. One of the things that um, I have always appreciated about the feast is time to learn, to, to get more, to be filled <laughs> with God's Word because you have eight days of messages and uh, different things that uh, you can learn about God and about His kingdom and all of those things. You get a chance to serve, serve at the feast. And of course, it's a time to renew old acquaintances, new acquaintances. So it's a time of also for fellowship. Um, my, as uh, Reg said, this is part three, not part two. Sometimes Mark, the Gospel of Mark, yeah, yeah, is quoted a lot, but never gone through very thoroughly. So I, someone had mentioned that somewhere, I can't remember now. Why don't we use Mark a lot more? Well, I decided to use Mark a lot more. And I got to thinking this morning, the, my, my introduction, my, my title is The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. But, a kingdom without a king is not a kingdom. And we know from Revelation, the 19th chapter, what's it say? In, on his vestures, as he rides that right, white horse down, what's he going to have? And in the King James, and I imagine most Bibles, they got it all in caps, big caps, king of king and lord of lords. And so when he comes to this earth, he is going to be the king. 
And so, it is, Jesus Christ is a part of that gospel message. Mark, uh, just for a quick introduction, because I don't want to go all through all of the introduction that I did, which was a lot of different things that I had uh, brought uh, before the congregation earlier, but it is the shortest of the, of the synoptic gospels. It's only 16 chapters. Um, you will notice if you go to the first verses there that there's no early life. No output that, about his childhood or anything in his early life. And as you read through the book of Mark, you notice that he is the perfect servant of God in every way. One of the interesting things that I was just thinking about as I was sitting there is that the, the book of Mark is like you're sitting, you're, you're the, the recorder. You're, you're sitting there and you're recording down all of this. It's, it's like a real life uh, drama that you're involved in as you're reading this. And so as we go through, I'm going to start in the second chapter. I went through the first chapter on part two. So let's go to Mark, the second chapter, and just to see how far we get. I don't expect much more than maybe a couple of chapters here today. But they're, they're very, very interesting and profound as you read through them. Uh, I did have a map before. I don't have it today. I didn't pass it out. But he was in Caper Capernaum. And so it says, and he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And immediately many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word to them. So here we are. We're standing there. We're watching. And all of a sudden, this crowd comes around. Jesus is preaching the word, and no one else can get in. And they came to him, bringing the sick of the palsy which was born of four. And when they could not come near to him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. They were, they wanted that individual. They, the faith of these ones, just get up on the roof, open the roof up. And today, that might get you in trouble. But then, Maybe the roofs were like thatch or things like that. You could just part them away and, and lower someone down in. But obviously, they were determined. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, to the sick of the palsy, Son, your sins be forgiven you. It's interesting how he says that. But there's always an antagonist. And there's always someone there to to listen to see if Jesus makes a mistake. It says something wrong. Well, here they are. There were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit, remember, they, didn't, they, they were thinking this. Jesus perceived this, that they were that they reasoned inside themselves. He said to them, Why reason you these things in your hearts? 
whether it's easier to say to the sick of palsy, your sins be forgiven you, or to say, arise and take your bed and walk, but that you may know, here's the, here's the point, that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He made that point, that while he was on this earth, he had that power, both to forgive sins and also to heal. He had a tremendous amount of power. So, and he says to the sick of the palsy, I say to you, and rise and take up your bed and go your way into your home. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw on this fashion. So this was a miracle of this palsy person to get up and actually walk. No telling how long they had been, he had been bedridden. Tremendous miracle. And he went forth again in, by the seaside, and all the multitude restored, resorted uh, to him. And he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom, and said to him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in the house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. It's interesting that the diversity of the individuals that followed Jesus, from the, from the women that, that followed and, and ministered to, to publicans and sinners, Jesus had many that were following him, but we know later all rejected him when he was when he was convicted and put on the cross. All rejected. But he had many, many that were following him at the time. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with the publicans and the sinners? If this guy was just righteous like we are, <laughs> he wouldn't be eating with them. When Jesus heard it, he said to them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but the sinner to repentance. And I think sometimes um, that's an important lesson for all of us, that Many people that God is calling have had horrible lives and need that uh, conversion, that repentance, that coming to Christ and to reach out to them is, is a great, great thing. And to bring them Jesus, to bring them the salvation that Jesus brought through his sacrifice. Disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast, and they came to say to him, Why do the, uh, the disciples of John the, the Pharisees fast, but your disciples, they fast not? Interesting, Jesus always had a very unique way of answering. Sometimes we're in a situation and, and, and somebody asks us a question. I, I sometimes get very tongue-tied, even though I've got all of this years of experience and all of this... Uh, truth of me. I sometimes get very tongue-tied. But Jesus never did. The words were always there. He says, 
Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then they shall fast in those days. Also looking prophetically at the day of his death and the time afterwards when the disciples would be fasting because the bridegroom would no longer be there. He says, No man also sews a piece of new cloth on an old garment, else the new piece that filled it uh, takes away from the old and the rent is made worse. Um, th these two things that Jesus gave out, and, and you've got to realize also that he used um, various events and various ideas that were prevalent at the time. So, when he would say these things, these people probably very well understood what he was talking about. So if you took a, let's say that this is everybody, I, I, I know that they had wool. <laughs> they had sheep, so they had wool. I don't know about cotton or any of the other fabrics that might have been available at the time. They, didn't, they definitely didn't have rayon or polyester or any of that. So if you were talking about wool, and you were talking about an older garment. This is even a wool. Uh, let's see, 100%. No, this is this is a mixture. This is a bad coat. Can't wear this one. <laughs> you know, the Bible says you can't have mixtures of, of different threads on. Um, anyway, in the in the idea that you would take a new piece of wool that was already manufactured, and you would put that on. Of course, by hand, and you would sew this onto an older garment without washing it, preparing it, getting it ready. A new piece of material on an older garment, and then you wash that, and that wool shrinks, and it's not going to shrink at the same rate that the older garment does. I think that's probably the way that is. I'm not positive about that. There's probably a lot of other things in there. Uh, on that, but I was I was thinking about the, how that would work, and you know that he was talking to those people that probably just very much understood what he was what he was saying. And no man puts new wine into old bottles, else the new wine does burst the bottles. And it does say here in my Bible that it's actually wine skins, and the wine is spilled and the bottles will be marred. But new wine must be put into new bottles. If you think about wine, and here here's something about Wines gap have the have a, a a gas that's produced as the as the grapes are fermented. In fact, this particular thing here shows that he's talking about wine, not grape juice. <laughs> this is wine, not grape juice. Sorry, but for those that that believe in that, this is actual wine because wine has a, a ferment uh, grapes have a fermentation process that cause has has an out gas. And I don't know what that gas is, but if you put that into an older wine skin and you put a cork on it, that gas is still there. It's going to build up a little bit, and it, it could bust and break that older wine skin. That's why it says he would take that new wine and put it into a new bottle or a new wine skin. <clears throat> so Jesus understood what was what, what the. Uh, customs and all of the different things were at his time. 
And he used that a lot to um, bring out lessons and also to um, correct those people <laughs> that were following around and, and saying certain things. came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day, and here we go again, <clears throat> on the Sabbath day, and his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. Here are the Pharisees said to him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? So you couldn't even get an ear of corn out of the field to eat? That's interesting. If you were hungry. And of course Jesus uses the Bible also. And goes back. He says, have you not never read that David did when he, <clears throat> when he had need and was hungry? He and they that were with him. How he went into the house of God in the days of Abithar the high priest, and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, but which is, uh, um, but for the priest, and gave also to them that were with him. And he said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And this is an interesting statement. Because if the Sabbath is done away with, <laughs> Jesus no longer is Lord of the Sabbath. But because Jesus said he's Lord of the Sabbath, the Sabbath is still here. It's still, it's still in, in, in um, uh, still a part of what we, we do because Jesus is alive, sits at the right hand of the Father, and so it's still for us to keep. And I believe that Jesus is still Lord of the Sabbath. Chapter 3, he entered in, again into the synagogue. There was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day. So they're always watching, always looking, trying to catch Jesus in something that they might accuse him. And he said to the man which had the withered hand, stand forth. And he said, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil to save life or to kill. And of course right there Jesus also gave us um, some instruction about the Sabbath and what the Sabbath is all about. It's to do good. It's to save life if we need to. It's, it's, a, it's something that um, should fill us and strengthen us. And, and I think that's what the Sabbath is all about. But they held their peace. They didn't say anything. When he looked around about them with, with anger, this word anger is, is a strong word. He was very upset with what they were doing. Um, I would like to look that up because I think that one had a... Uh, I was looking for that one earlier. And... Uh, Okay, this is verse, uh, verse 5. This is uh, 3709. Um, violent passion is one of the definitions. Um, properly desire as reaching forth or, or excitement is part of it, of the mind. That is, by analogy, violent passion ire, 
justifiable abhorrence, by implication, punishment, anger, indignation, vengeance, and wrath. So that one word right there. He looked around about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness in their heart. And he said to the man, stretch forth your hand. And he stretched it out, and the man's hand was restored as the other. And the Pharisees went forth immediately, took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. But Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea. The great multitude of the Galilee followed him from Judea and from Jerusalem and from Idumea and from beyond Jordan. And they about the Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude, when they were heard that great things he did, came to him. So all these multitudes, they heard and they came. Realized everybody was walking. They were coming on foot. Excuse me, I'm about ready to. <coughs> I better get just a little bit. And he spoke to his disciples that uh, that a small ship should wait on him because of the multitude, lest they should throng him. For he had healed many, inasmuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him as many as had plagues. And unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, You are the Son of God. And he straightly charged them that they should not make him known. And he he goes up into a mountain and calls to him whom he would, and they came to him. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. And Simon, he sure named Peter. Simon, well, Peter is a small rock. And James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, and he sure named them Boanerges, which is the son of sons of thunder. Sons of thunder. I wonder why he named them the sons of thunder. Did they have that kind of character that they were always bombastic? Uh, type of, uh, of guys. I don't know. It's interesting. Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon and uh, the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him. And they went in uh, into the house. And then here we have them going into a house, by the way, not just always out and outdoors. They, they, they did go into houses. They did have houses. And the multitudes came together again so that they could not much as eat bread. And when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said, to, uh, said he is beside himself, or he is crazy. And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebub, and the prince of devils cast him he out devils. Now you can imagine how very upset he was with this one. Because what he says here is quite profound. Because he was extremely, extremely upset with what they just told me. He's cast out all of these demons. He's, cast, he's healed all these people. And what do they do? They tell him that he's, he's casting them out by Satan. <laughs> this probably is the, the angriest that Jesus has gotten. How can Satan cast out Satan, he says. And if the kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. 
And if the house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and he be divided, he cannot stand but has no end. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he will first bind a strong man and then he will spoil his house. Verily I say to you, all sins shall be forgiven to the sons of men and blasphemes wherewith soever they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Spirit has never forgiveness but is in danger of eternal damnation. And the reason why he said that is because these guys were saying that the Holy Spirit that was created, that was the miracles that were being done in Jesus because of the power of the Holy Spirit, they were saying it was Satan. And Jesus corrected them and <laughs> it was a strong correction. You don't really see it, but it's there. That is one of the most powerful strongest corrections if you do this you are in danger of hellfire and see blaspheming the Holy Spirit the power of the Holy Spirit what the Holy Spirit is doing you are in danger if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit and that's what they were doing so it was a very powerful and strong uh, correction from Jesus Christ because they said he was unclean, he, was, he has an unclean spirit. See, he, they were saying, That's a, he's got an unclean spirit. There came then his brethren and his mother and standing outside and sent to him, calling him. And the multitude sat about him and they said to him, Behold, your mother and your brethren outside seek for you. And he answered and saying, Who is my brother and my brother? My mother and my brother. And he looked around about them which sat about him and said behold my mother and my brethren for whosoever shall do the will of God the same is my brother and my sister and my mother Jesus was really looking prophetically at the day in which he would be sacrificed and he would all men all men would have hope in the uh, in the kingdom of God and they, that all are like Jesus's brother and sister and mother isn't that wonderful? I thought that was a, that's a very profound thing that Jesus said. Now, he still loved his mother, and he still loved his brethren, but it was an opportunity to tell them at that particular time of his global mission. His global mission was for all of mankind, not just my own family, but for all families, for all times. So I think that was... Uh, very, very profound. Let's pick it up in, in, in chapter 4 for just a few verses here because this is the parable of the sower of the seed that we find in Matthew and, 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 and Luke. But it's also a, a very interesting way that he puts it in the, um, in the book of Mark. He began again to teach by the seaside. There was gathered to him a great multitude that he entered into a ship. So now... He's teaching by the seaside in a ship, sitting there and teaching. So that he uh, and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell on the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it 
uh, had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Now, why, was, why do you think this parable is being used? It's because these were agrarian people. They understood if you, the planting of seeds and the growing of crops. It was very um, easy for him to, to, to use these parables uh, on these. Because, and yet, he didn't explain it to the, to the multitude. He explained it to his disciples. And so he would use these parables, which they were familiar with, but which he kind of left them to think about. So some fell in the, among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and he yielded no fruit. The others fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He that has an ear to hear, let him hear. He's saying that to the multitude. And when he was alone, they that were about him uh, with the twelve asked him of the parable. And he said to them, To you it's given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Brethren, these are written here so we don't just have the parable. We have the answer, don't we? We have the answer to the parable of the kingdom of God. Boy, this is wonderful. Wonderful stuff. To know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to them that are outside, all these things are done in parables. That seeing they may, not, may see and not perceive. Hearing they may hear and not understand. Lest any, at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said to them, Know you not this parable and how then will you know all parables? The sower sows the word. So, it's interesting the word is the seeds. And these are they in the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. The vast majority of people in the world who are out there and hear this word, Satan has taken that word out of their heart. Or it is so perverted from other words that are being said, they cannot understand that truth. And these are they, likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, but have no root in themselves. And so endure, but for a time, afterwards, when affliction or persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Sometimes it's difficult to, to, uh, to live uh, and to defend this way and to, and to keep this way. And take off when you need to and do the things that you need to do. And these are they which are sown among the thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things enters in, choking the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And that's happened to a lot of people too. Sometimes when people give up on this very thing, the Sabbath and the holy days, they forget. They literally, the world takes them over and they forget all about these days. 
They forget what time it is. They forget that it's... that, And it's a shame that some have heard and have been involved and known the truth and no longer are keeping it. And these are they which are sown on good ground. This, all of us really should think, I am sown on good ground. I'm, I want to be productive in this way. I want to, to bear fruit. Such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60 and some 100. They're, they're in good ground. They're bearing fruit. They understand the word of God. They keep the law of God. They keep the commandments of God. And they're blessed because of that. He said, as a candle, let's read a few more verses here. I'll bring it up to maybe verse 32 and I'll, I'll quit. Hopefully I can make a marker so the next time I come I won't mess it up. <laughs> he says, as a candle brought uh, to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not set on a candlestick. For there is nothing hidden which shall not be manifested. Neither was there anything kept secret but that should be uh, come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. He said, take heed what you hear. With what measure you met, meet, it shall be measured to you. And to you that hear shall be more given. Interesting that as we hear the word and we, we take it in and we live by it, we are strengthened by the word of God. For he that has to him shall be given. He has not, from him shall be taken even that which he has. He said, so is the kingdom of God. As if a man should cast seeds into the ground, and, some, and should sleep and rise uh, night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, and he knows not how. For the earth brings forth fruit of itself, first the blade and then the ear, and after that the full corn of ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he puts the sickle because of the harvest has come. And he said, where to shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that is in the earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs and shoots out great branches so that the fowls of the earth may lodge under the shadow. I just go ahead. I've only got a few verses here, and it's a quarter tale. I might just go ahead and read to the end of chapter 4, and that way I'll know to begin on chapter 5 the next time I pick it up. And with many such parables spoke he the word to them, and they were able to hear it. But without a parable spoke he not to them, and when they were alone he expounded all things to his disciples. And the same day when the evening was come, he said to them, Let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him all other little ships. And there arose a great storm of the wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Master, Care you not that we're going to perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said, Peace, be still. 
man, what, what power? <laughs> and the wind ceased, and there was great calm. Well, sometimes when we're in a storm in our own life, do we go to Jesus and ask him to calm the storm? I think that's, that might be uh, what would apply to us. That we could go to Jesus and ask him to quiet and to calm the storm. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Of course, we know what manner of man and we know where he resides today. And we know the power that he has. And we know where he's going to be in the kingdom, which is what we're going to be talking about at the feast. I want to say to all of you, may God bless you and keep you. And may he be with you in safety as you travel to the feast. And I look forward to all of you being back when we get back from those days.